Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud Base Mayhem. I am back and feeling better, and my voice is back. So good to be back on the on the horn here making podcasts. My guest today is a good buddy of mine who I don't see nearly enough, Debbie Chaudhary. He is a pilot from, he hails from Manali, just on the other backside of beer. And you all know him from putting up big flights out there for years and years. He's been flying almost 30 years. Um, he's part of the team with Eddie Colfax and Jim Mallinson and John Sylvester and Antoine and all those guys uh, guiding out there. And that's where I met them for the first time back in 2009, doing a trip with those guys, and then back again in 2011. And Debbie now lives in France with his family and guides and instructs and does tandems. Just got back from Colombia guiding down there. And I've been wanting to talk to him for a long time because of these awesome, huge flights he's been putting up the last few years out in beer and uh, had the record, lost the record, and had the record, got the record again and lost it again. But he's been putting up some really cool bivy flights and out and backs and just flying in that big, magnificent, incredible terrain. So. Yeah, we sat down and chatted bivy and flying and passion and guiding and more bivy and more flying and had a blast. So hope you enjoy this talk with Debu, the legend of the skies in India. Cheers. Debu. That took us several months to put together, but it's uh, <laughs> it's good to finally have you on the show. I'm, I'm actually that's encouraging that we're both so hard to track down. I think that means we're having a good time. Uh, yeah, I agree absolutely. Uh, it's been a while, but like you say, I guess we're both having a good time and busy. But well, I'm I'm really happy that we got it together and uh, glad to be here with you. You know, I was laying in bed last night trying to remember the last time we saw each other. Was it? Was it when I was in beer or we've seen each other since, I hope, right? That was 2011. Uh, it's been a minute. I think it was in Switzerland, wasn't it? In the bus, in that bus. Yes, that was the last that's right. I was, thinking, that's I was right. thinking the same last night. It was funny. I was like, when did I see Gavin? He was like, in the bus uh, in Visp. I remember we had the evening together. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got you in the, in the Niviak Mobile. The okay, one. there we go. <laughs> Yeah, cool, man. Cool. Well, I mean, it's it's so fun to just think about you because it, it it just uh, it it puts all these memories into my mind from those early days. I mean, I still chalk up all the madness that has happened since. I mean, those were my very early days. You know, the trip to beer in two thousand nine, the first one, and then the second one in two thousand eleven. You know, I still had the boat thing going very much. I mean, that was my business. I didn't have a lot of time to fly. Yeah. And just hanging out with you and Jim and Eddie and John. And, you know, I did my first bivy ever with John. Uh, we flew back over the back to Manali and top landed and slept around a fire and got encased in ice. And he was just happy as Larry. <laughs> I was completely frozen. And I thought, I got to toughen up. And, uh, you know, yeah, here's some tea. You'll be good. Uh, but you've you've been doing some amazing routes and lines and stuff out there and before we get to that i just thought we should 
catch the audience up a little bit with you. You just got back from Colombia. I know you're doing some guiding. You're living in France now, but give us the background of, you know, the, the quick hit resume of your, your flying history, how you got connected with the boys, uh, you know, where you're from and what you're, what you're doing these days. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I guess, uh, I guess I start at the beginning. Um, well, you've been to Manali. That's where I grew up in North India. And uh, mm-hmm. my mum's Italian, my dad was Indian, and I was born in Manali. And I think I first the first paragliders I saw there must have been about 91 or 92. And already I was like, wow. fuck, that, look, that looks cool. <laughs> and uh, in, uh, in 94, I, I uh, got the chance to have a go on the school slope uh, with one of the local guys who started it there. And uh, well, that was it. You know, that was the beginning of the, I haven't stopped since. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, t- till till about 2000, we we flew quite a bit, but not that much because uh, I would work in the summers in Europe. Uh, I mean, I quit school in the meantime, which uh, <laughs> uh, to go work to make enough money to buy to buy wings and shit. Uh, and then we had a nice community in beer. I mean, like, you know, beer is not quite what it used to be 25 years ago, but I remember the first season, I think it was 96 that I was there and there was maybe six of us and uh, we spent the month flying there and it was very chilled. You know, we'd just fly and top land. We didn't really know about cross country and we kind of teach ourselves. And uh, from there, um, the big change actually came in 2001 when they had a pre-World Cup there. And uh, Xavier Murillo turned up with a whole bunch of hotshot pilots, and we were like, "Aha, okay, there's a lot more to learn." Ah, <laughs> uh, ah cool. Which kind of motivated me to start doing comps, which uh, opened up a whole new, new page and uh, and progression, I guess. Um, after that, I spent summers uh, working in Europe and doing comps uh, mainly. Uh, and then I think I started guiding in about 2006, I think, when uh, Jim and John and Eddie and all asked me to give them a hand. And uh, so that was the beginning of the, the kind of guiding thing. And we had quite a few years. That's where we met. Uh, I think, was it 2009 you said you came? Yeah. And Antoine was there in one of the, I think Antoine was there in 09. And I flew with him quite a bit and John and... Yeah. I was, it was just magic. And then we came back in 2011 and we did that outside tandem thing. Do you remember that? Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We brought a guy who did an article and because you guys were kind of, you were contemplating getting up, you know, a kind of a business almost going where you were sky camping with tandem passengers, which I thought was really neat. Yeah. That was the tandem safari idea. I think, yeah, that's when when we did that. I've forgotten the name of the guy, but I remember from Outside Magazine. And uh, I think John and Eddie and all did actually run one trip. I don't think I was there. I'm not sure why I wasn't there, but they did actually try it once. Uh, But I think the logistics and all was quite complicated in the end. So I think they just went back to to guiding after that. I don't know if you remember it. I had a a crazy crash there flying with John where I just totally walked away. It was a miracle. And, but you guys had, you had it set up where donkeys or burrows or something would bring up. It was there. It was that place. We, we, we camped there that night where I crashed and, uh, and they had, 
you know, everything got brought up to us. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, it's uh, it was quite neat. I mean, it wasn't that far from the beer launch, as I remember. It was 25K or so down the ridge, but it was yeah, pretty that, neat well, spot. Yeah, that, well, that spot's become quite famous now. It's called 360. I bet. And uh, yeah. like when we were there that time, we'd have the colonel. He'd come up, remember, with all his staff, and we got like yeah. a full Maharaja kind of treatment and tents. And that was quite fun. But um, right. since then, I think around... I'm not sure which year, but a French guy called Robinson has built a super cool house up there. And uh, and then he's hang, he's got together with the locals and uh, they've built like a, a campsite and you can fly there and, and spend the night and, you know, rent a tent or whatever and get wow. food. And, yeah, it's a super cool place. 360. Wow. It sounds very, sounds very Alps-esque. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a, like a Indian version of a, a Swiss hut. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you've been, I mean, before, before we get into some of the crazy, awesome flights you've been doing out there, uh, I just, you mentioned a couple of things I wanted to get into. Are you still flying comps or how, how does your, how does your year get used up flying wise these days? Uh, I know COVID disrupted everything, but let's pretend it was a normal year. Uh, so, um, basically I stopped flying comps seriously in 2012 when I had a child or my wife had a child mm. <laughs> changes things yeah. as you know yes, <laughs> yes uh, and then we had another one <laughs> so uh, I didn't really do many comps uh, between 2012 and then 2018 I moved back I moved to France and I thought okay let's mm. give it a try again in 2019 I think I did two or three comps which went pretty well and I was like oh I could get back into this and uh, I'd booked like six comps for 2020. Well, we all know what happened then. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then I did one last year. Uh, I did a pre-World Cup in Gourdon, which again went pretty well. And uh, yeah. I'm looking at doing the Worlds this year in May. So, yeah, one or two here just to see friends and, and have fun. And yeah, just, you know, you know the vibe. Uh, I do miss it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good time, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I interestingly because you're you're ahead of me with the kids you know my daughter's five now so you you've got more experience with this but one of the things that i'm you know just personally struggling with i'd like to get your ideas on is just the time away you know that the that's really the reason i'm not doing the x alps this year it was you know i still love it it was part of it's because i'm 50 and it's ridiculous but 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 it, i still love the race it's it's just amazing yeah. it's such a great adventure but the time required was it just felt it just felt kind of just way too selfish, you know, when you have, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't mind it so much when she was a baby. Cause when they were a baby, it's, they really rely on mom a lot more. I didn't really feel like I was that integral to the whole thing, but now, you know, she's skiing and she's awesome and fun and, and they change so fast. And yeah. so, you know, I was just, uh, yeah, I did the super final this year and boy, that's a long time to be away. You know, it, it's a, it's a, I don't yeah, know. I'm just I'm struggling with that. What what the right balance is there? It's it's a pretty tough one. I I struggle with that as well. I mean, the last the COVID years, in a way, it was a mess, but in a way, it was quite nice because I didn't have the choice. I stayed at home. <laughs> so you yeah, know, I was yeah. I was home for like two and a half years with not not much traveling, and since last year, I've been traveling again quite a bit. And yeah, like you say, it's hard finding the right balance. I mean, I was in India for over a month and a half last October, and that was definitely too long for everyone. You know, even even me. By the end, I was like, "Oh, you, yeah, you, you didn't have the family there then, because they they usually go with you, don't they?" Uh, no, 
we went in April wow. last year, the whole family for a month. And then I went back in October yeah. to work and, and fly. And the, yeah, the kids have got school and, uh, and, and we've got chickens. So someone needs to be home. <laughs> <laughs> and what about Flo? How, how, what's her approach to flying these days? Uh, Flo, since we had kids, Flo kind of stopped flying. She carried on for a while after the first one and she wasn't into it. And she was not mm. really enjoying it so much and having some fears. So she kind of just slowly mm. stopped and... She'll occasionally come and do a hike and fly with me these days. And, you know, she hasn't flown for five years, but she can walk up a mountain and take off crash, and, and fly off. No problem. So, but yeah, she's not so into it yeah. anymore at the moment, but she might come huh. back. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. How old are your kids now? 12 and seven. 12 and seven. Okay. Yeah. Seven's still pretty young. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ah. Yeah. So Debu, you've been, you've been putting up some pretty wild stuff on, on X contest for the last bunch of years. And you, you know, this is, this is your place out there, but some huge lines over the back and big triangles. And there was, you were posting some videos. This was this, was that fall was it this fall that you were posting some videos of, you know, sky camping out there and, Man, you look lit up. You look like a pilot that had been flying for a couple of years. You were having so much fun. You were you were obviously having a good time. So, I I'd love to hear some stories from from beer and what you guys are doing out there these days. Because, like I said, I was a newbie out there. I think I did my first hundred k ever in yeah. in beer, and I haven't been back. So, uh, <clears throat> that's all just kind of dreamy for me. I got to get out there and and tap into it. Yeah. Um. Basically, in you know, flying. I've been fly, flying in beer since phew, ninety ninety five, I think. So many many years, and we always knew that the potential was big. I mean, we didn't go over the back for quite a few years because we were so scared of you know just looking at it. And uh, and I was sure that you could do two hundred k there. And I think in two thousand nine, I did the first uh, two hundred. I did two hundred and ten or something. And that was uh, kind of an eye opener. And we were like, aha, OK, we can keep pushing this. And uh, that motivated me for a lot of years to go in spring for a few days and try and, and push, make it bigger and bigger. And then obviously the years that, you know, when you were there, 2006, seven, when we started exploring into the back, uh, thanks to people like John and uh, people like Honza, who was there, he just threw himself straight into the back. We we're like, aha. Okay, <laughs> this can be done. And he was like, "Oh, it's great back there. You should go." We're like, "Okay." <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, and then pushing each year and uh, trying to get trying to get the record bigger. I mean, for me, you know, I've been flying almost twenty twenty nine years now, and I need to find things that motivate me to keep flying and and keep at it because you know, and also doing it as a job professionally, you it's it's hard to find the motivation sometimes. And mm -hmm. so for quite a few years doing trying to do the big flights in beer, that was big motivation. Uh, and then obviously, I mean, it was funny with the bivy flying when John in the beginning, I wasn't really into it. I'm not quite sure why. But uh, the last few years, it's been, yeah, like this autumn, we had such a good time finding new spots and new lines in there. Uh, and then obviously, uh, with the record we had, uh, I don't know if you've met Kubo and... Uh, 
yeah kubo you know kubo <laughs> so yeah. it was a yeah, big yeah. ding dong between me and kubo and uh i've forgotten his friend's name but, <laughs> and each year you know we'd break it by 1k and then he'd break it by half a k and i'd get another k <laughs> but uh <laughs> all, all of that's over this year i don't know you must have seen philip's flight he just uh blew, yes. blew, blew us all yes. out of the water Crazy. by doing a line that i would i wouldn't have even thought of that line i'm like you dude you can keep the record i'm not going there <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's let's paint the picture for the listeners who who haven't been there because it's 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 worth describing a bit. I mean, I remember my still one of my most fondest memories was maybe the first flight I ever took there where we didn't go over the back, but I was following John and he just kept going to places where you know, I had been you know, a newbie mountain pilot but in other parts of the world and you just don't go to those places in other parts of the world. You know, it was, there was no wind. You just kept going. I mean, it was the first place that I had ever flown where you just fly where it makes sense with the sun, you know, and you just kind of forget everything else. You just, okay, that face is getting sun. We will go to that face. And regardless of how buried and deep and, you know, and convoluted, uh, it was just oh so fun. It was amazing to just dive into places where you'd usually be pretty puckered. Yeah. In the beginning, you are puckered, and then then you're then you get used to the place. You're like, yeah, that's totally reasonable. That completely works. But you've got the front range, which is what is about four thousand meters, and then the next one back is five, and then the the big ones, right? Then you get into the sixes. Is that about right? Yeah. More or less. Yeah, yeah that's that's okay. kind of right. I mean that's that's the beauty of uh, beer for me. It's you know it's definitely on one of the top places to fly because the menu is so big. You know you can uh, you can play safe out front on the front ridge. You can go into the back just a little bit, or you can go like you say really deep in into the six thousands. And basically the the front ridge uh, which tops out at about four four two, and you've got about I would say. 40k and 70k it's about 120k of ridge which like you said there's no real wind because it's the first big hills big mountains before the flats so there's no real valley wind and um, I think the mountains behind are so big that you don't have you know even when there's a strong north wind up high it doesn't affect that and which makes it a great playground because you can yeah like you said you can fly all over the place there's no real lee side and it works super well and it's predictable and it's super easy to fly cross country there as, as you know. Yeah. Mm. So the, the, the flight that Philip did describe that a little bit. Well, I'll put that up in the show notes. I know what you're talking about. We'll, we'll, but what, what did he do? Uh, so basically before all the big flights that we've been doing, like, you know, the record 256 or 57, I think I did, I think 2018, that was the, record till Philip blew it out the water this year. And basically we'd be running on the front range uh, past Taramsala, so going west. As but we Before we used to go about 90k west, but there's an army base and Kubo started getting in trouble. So we, we there's, a, there's, a, there's a limit of airspace, which is about 80, 83k. And then we turn around and race back and then go to Prussia Lake which is uh, on the east side and try and push a point as far there and get back to beer. So kind of, you know, the second half is a little bit in the back, but it's mainly a big ridge run. But Philip, 
How far down is that getting pretty close to the Nepal border? No, or is that still no, a no, long no, ways no. out? It's, okay. It's, okay. Like, okay. When we go east from Beer, it's only about 45 k east Crusher Lake or something. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But what Philip did was uh, he went, uh, instead of going just west, he went northwest. So he jumped in the back and then jumped into the valley behind the main Doladar range. Uh, and flew the whole Chamba Valley, and actually, he was he when you know I spoke to him later that day, and his plan wasn't even to do a record; he was just going for a bivy, and uh, he flew up there, and it was a super good day, and he thought, oh, I can turn around and fly back to Beer. So, and when he got when he came close back to Beer, he said, oh, I can just fly another fifteen k that way, and I've got a new record. <laughs> so that's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> so and uh, obviously he sent me the he sent me his track as soon as he landed the bastard and uh, yeah <laughs> and, uh, rubbing it in rubbing it in I was like well what can you say you know it was an amazing amazing line that he did I, I hadn't even thought of that line you know it was very engaged that's it is it is quite cool isn't it when uh you know strangers come to your home place and kind of show you you know I've I've had this dream of you know, Kriegel coming here and just showing us what's possible because yeah. you get in your, this is how you do it, you know, <laughs> and, and somebody can come along and go, no, there's a whole bunch of ways to do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the, uh, very cool. That's the beauty of it, isn't it? That, you know, you think, you think one thing, but then someone's like, actually there's a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, so is your, is your push there now, you know, the kind of keeping the passion lit is more of the bivy stuff or is it still, you're going to chase Philip? Uh, no, I think Philip can keep that one. I'm not going where he went. <laughs> I got two kids. Man. <laughs> I saw some of the, I saw, so, I saw some of the footage of that day and he's like, Oh, this is just a little cold. He's at five, five and he's on full bar and he just squeaks through. I'm like, dude, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. so just big, just big terrain. Yeah. I, that, that's another thing that we should probably describe, you know, at on the 4,000 meter, you know, you're totally in civilization the whole way that civilization is just right in front, you know, yeah. that's why they have comps there and everything else. It, 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 uh, that rapidly deteriorates as I remember, as you go back. Yeah, exactly. You start to get into, uh, there's not a lot back there in terms of villages and people and stuff. Well, I mean, right? when you do the first jump back from beer, You've got, you know, you've got a while where there's villages and you can land. And then there comes a point where you decide to go in further. Like, you know, even if you just fly to Manali, which is not very far, but it's still quite a committing flight. Uh, you're in some big terrain where you, you don't really want to go down. If you do, you, you know, mm. hopefully you're fine and you've got a long walkout. Uh, there was, yeah, there's obviously been quite a few stories over the years years in beer of people landing in the back and uh, walking for a couple of days to get out and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it gets pretty wild once the deeper you go, the more committing it gets, obviously, for sure. Hmm. What's, what's a, what's a line that you've flown or a, a bibby that you've done that, that you, uh, you dream about at night still is something that you, you're really proud of. Or you really you still think, gosh, I'd love to do that again or something similar. Uh, I did, I did quite a nice line this year. We all went for a bivy together. Actually, there was 14 of us bivying together. It was quite funny. It was a party. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. That's a sky party. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And, uh, we bivied at this new spot I found on the back ridge, which is great spot. Really nice. 
And uh, the next day, um, everyone was flying back to beer. And I kind of thought, oh, maybe I'll fly to Manali. I wanted to go and see my mom. And I knew the weather was bad for a few days. And um, I took uh, quite a deep line inside. And there's a peak, uh, the head of the Manali Valley, which is about 6,000 meters. And my goal was to try and fly above it. I didn't quite get it. You know, I got to 5'8". So I almost got over the peak, but uh, that was uh, quite a spectacular flight. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty nice. Ooh, that's up there. Yeah. Are you flying with Are you flying with O's when you're doing that type of stuff, or no? Is that too hard to get? No, it's a bit complicated in India to get. And I mean, mm. I've yeah, I've been up to six a few times, and I've never never had had too much of an issue with that. So I say that you do, you know, been very happy sometimes, too happy. <laughs> <laughs> When, you, when I look back yeah. at, at some of the footage, I'm like, mm, you're not quite right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It, you, it, 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 and it's funny how it affects people in different ways. Yeah. You know, I, I tend to get really goofy and silly and laughing. And exactly. I, then I, I, if I get on the radio, I, I people say, I can't understand the thing you're saying. <laughs> But in my mind, I sound fine. It, it's a it's a weird yeah. hypoxia is strange. It's a funny one, yeah. Yeah, I guess you guys deal with that quite a bit. Uh, or do you really do not not so much? Maybe you get a, a kind of adjusted to the altitude. Yeah, I mean, so personally, I've never really had a problem with it. And uh, I mean, when we're guiding clients and stuff, we we yeah we avoid taking them super super high or or going super deep. I mean, I did one flight with a couple of clients this year, which was. Uh, uh, fairly deep inside, and it was it was quite stressful at points. You know, it was very rewarding for all of us at the end, but at points, uh, I think I think uh, they said you have quite a squeaky voice at points. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you should just do what John did. You, no one could understand him. It was just, <laughs> I just I just I just learned after a while that you just had to follow him because he was so happy and excited, yeah. no matter what he was doing, that he didn't make any sense. It was just, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, buzzing. John was definitely squeaky <laughs> all the time. So yeah, when he was buzzing, he's like, I remember, couldn't get much of what he was saying. <laughs> I I have to ask you, Debbie, what's your approach to how do you guys tackle Bivy in that area? Because I remember John telling me when he did the not the group big flight all the way to Nepal with Antoine and everybody that the film, but didn't he do a he did a huge solo thing right where he talked about you know, basically he just packed an extra pair of underwear. <laughs> that was it. You know, you relied on the communities for milk and food. You know, you just said everywhere I'd land, they'd come to me and, you yeah. know, they'd, they'd ask me to share their little house and, and they'd take care of them. And I mean, he didn't have anything. I'm sure he had some tea because he's yeah. <laughs> you know, no brick goes anywhere without you know, self-respecting brick goes anywhere without tea. But is that how you guys kind of approach it now too? Or do you, do you go pretty light? No, we go, we, the, the bivvies we were doing, we were pretty kitted out. Yeah. We okay. were pretty kitted out yeah. to, uh, especially as well. I mean, the last, uh, the bivvies I was doing this year was mainly more in the back kind of deep in and high up. So obviously no villages and no fresh milk coming up there. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, we were pretty equipped with uh, with food and stoves and you know the usual, all the usual gear. 
And what's the status within reach there now? Because there's always been, you know, I get a call every once in a while, uh, you know, somebody's disappeared in beer and they're trying to figure things out. And, you know, I, I'm quite handy with the inReach and know the folks at Garmin quite well. So I, yeah. I, I try to help if I can. But there's there's always been this weird thing with India and inReach. Yeah, you know, you're not supposed it's... to use them. I mean, everyone's using them in beer, which is great. I mean, they've saved more than a few lives, as you know. Uh, but yeah. it's still kind of illegal to have any satellite device. I think I recently heard they were doing something to legalize it. But obviously, the word hasn't gotten round, And people have got in trouble when they have their in-reach in their hand baggage, for example, going out. Um, mm. So they're still kind of illegal, but we still recommend all our clients to bring one. Yeah. Just pack it deep in your bag and uh and hope for the right. best. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. So twenty I think you mentioned you've been flying twenty nine years uh, and you know things changed a little bit when you had kids and then changed again when you had COVID, but you just got back from Columbia. So you're obviously still doing quite a bit of guiding. Is it if you had any periods in that third almost thirty years of flying where it hasn't really had the zing for you or you've thought about doing something else or how have you been able to maintain the, the kind of passion over all these years for it? Uh, yeah, that's, um, that's a good question. I think the most, I think for the last quite a few years, I've managed to keep the zing, as you say. Uh, there was a point, like I was saying, before, uh, before I started doing comps, I kind of got to a plateau where, you know, I thought, you know, in beer, we were flying to Dharamsala and back and here and there. And we were like, yeah, we, we got this, we're cool. And then, like I said, a whole bunch of comp pilots turned up and we're like, aha, <laughs> we're actually really slow. <laughs> Maybe not so good. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, the comps kept me going for uh, for quite a long time with the with the motivation and just you know you know you know when you do comps and uh, you see some of these pilots you're like oh, there's still so much to learn and uh lately i mean i did quite a few years of acro as well uh so in the beginning till about 2007 i used to compete so that was quite motivating as well and then uh yeah trying to break the record or make a big flight uh, a new glider or a new harness always helps. <laughs> that keeps mm, yes. you that keeps you going for a while here and there. And uh, yeah, right now it's probably bivy flying and uh, trying to do different lines, uh, big lines. And also, what I like doing in India or in the Himalayas is um, kind of trying to get above a peak, like not even not even trying to not even bothered about the Ks or the distance or whatever, but just trying to you know, soar up a 6,000 meter peak or something, which is, so yeah, things like that. I always try and keep, you know, find something to, to keep the motivation up. Not always easy. Do you, do you fly? Yeah. You're, you're in the Grenoble area in France, amazing area to fly is, do you fly quite a bit at home as well? Uh, when I can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, mm. I work quite a lot as well when I'm here. So in the, in the, you know, it's quite frustrating working in a paragliding school at times when you're on the school slope yes. and it's an amazing day and you know all your friends are doing 200k and. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I still get right. to fly quite a lot uh, whenever I can. You know, uh, what have I got? I've got a Zeno too that keeps me quite motivated these days. That's a lot of fun to fly. Uh, mm. And also, what's uh, what's great here is what you know in India. When I was living in India, a lot of the flights, the big flights I was doing, I was doing on my own and a lot of the big lines in Manali when I was living there. 
Uh, whereas here, there's a whole whole bunch of friends who are really good and really keen. So the group, you know, the group effect is great as well. So I've got a lot of friends that I go flying with here, and you know. Whenever it's the big day, everyone's super excited and everyone's messaging each other. Okay, tomorrow's a big day. We're going to go here. We're going to. So, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. How would you say, you know, if you could carve up your year, the, the flying portion and in, in percent, how much is guiding? How much is teaching? How much is just personal? And are you guiding and are you you're still guiding in beer like with Eddie and those guys or uh, that's more just for well, fun when you're out to beer? After the, I think I did the 2019 season. And then I missed 2021, obviously, like most people. Mm -hmm. And then last year I was guiding in beer. Uh, I was guiding a Vol Biv trip, actually, which was uh, which was a lot oh. of fun. I just had two clients cool. and we had a great time. We discovered new spots and uh, yeah, did some big lines with them. Um, I do a lot of tandems as well in France. You know, okay. I think okay. I did about 400, yeah. 400, 450 tandems last year. So that takes up a bit of time. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that's plenty. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Right. And then in between, whenever I can, uh, I do I quite a lot of hike and fly at home, which is great as well. You know, that, you know, and it's where there's not amazing for flying, at least you get to go hiking and, uh, and fly down. So are you competing at all in hike and fly? No, no. I thought about it for a while is that... and I'm like, ah, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sounds uh, sounds like because uh, there's so many. Yeah, there's so many in Europe now. They're just, uh, they, I mean, every little site's got a, a a new hike and fly race. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. Know, it's we're, we're, that's a, a very burgeoning thing over here, but it's it's, it's getting it's very it's everywhere. very popular in Europe. I mean, I thought about it for a yeah. while, and uh, I haven't. Uh, maybe one day, you never know. But I haven't got round to it yet. <laughs> um. For those listening who are thinking about maybe coming to beer and and doing some bivy, what are some guidelines? What what do they need to know? What's what should they show up with? Anything different than how they would do it in the Alps? No, not really. But just you know, just uh, obviously have an inreach, or you know, if you are going to go out bivy, obviously let people know what your plan is or where you're going. And uh, have in mind that, uh, yeah, you're not in the Alps. I mean, we've we've managed to get helicopters out in beer for incidents in the recent years. But, you know, it's usually the next day. It's not 10 minutes like in, in the French Alps. So, yeah, I suppose just, uh, just really looking at the risk versus reward over there and taking that more into account and, uh, yeah, maybe playing it a little bit extra safe. And... Uh, yeah, I think just uh, yeah, letting people know or doing it as a group or with friends, you know, I think that's that's important. How do how does it work with water there? Are you are you carrying all your water? Or are you be, are you able to top land places and there's enough snow and snow melt? I guess in the spring there'd be plenty of snow, but is there in the fall? Yeah, there's not. I mean, this year I I I think I I I found three or four new spots. And I found it quite amusing to actually pick a spot and then fly around for a while and check it out <laughs> and say, okay, yeah. I can see the water there. I can see firewood there. Da -da 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 -da. Okay, this looks like a good spot. Let's, you know, it looks landable. Let's try that. I mean, I usually try and fly with at least two or three liters of water on me in case you, you, you know, you can still, you can spend a night for, with, with, with that. Uh, obviously, finding a spot with water makes it much more comfortable. Uh, mm. so yeah, I, I was, I was having quite a lot of fun looking at little streams and this and that, and, and, and figuring out a few of the times I got, you know, I was like, oh, that looks easy 
And then when you're down there and you're walking to it, you're like, oh, actually, this is like an hour and a half away. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah that's, I guess that's all part of, part of the fun. Huh? Yeah, it is part of the fun of kind of figuring that out. And I, I often, I like flying around a lot because uh, it, it usually looks so much better on first pass than it ends up being. And you, you, you realize, Oh, I can't fly out of this place. Yeah, you know, you've landed and that's oh, those trees are a lot higher than I, yeah. <laughs> obviously that's one other point, you know, you want to be able to take off again. I mean, we did end up this yeah. year landing and uh, like you say, afterwards we're like, mm, okay, I think we're going to have to walk over there. You know, well, it's a lot closer when, it, when you're in the air, but you know, we ended up walking a couple sure. of hours to find a launch and, and stuff like that. How do you, uh, I would imagine guiding people on full bib has got to be a little stressful, especially in big terrain like that. How do you, um, how, how do you, uh, what am I trying to say? How, how do you make sure, how do you screen people before doing something like that? Are these always clients that you've flown with before um, or I mean, I've you just done, kind of look at their resume? And Yeah, I've done two, two of these before uh, in beer. And uh, the first, obviously, I mean, we spent the first day top landing all over the place and just watching them mm -hmm. and getting getting a feel for their skills for that, because that's a big part of it. Uh, top landing, checking all the equipment, and then we'd go out for one night uh, to an easy spot, like I think Hobbiton in Beer. I don't know if you know, you camp there, you know, mm -hmm. nice, easy ridge. Yeah. So, you know, do an yep. easy night out, see how it all goes, and we fly back to Beer spend a night at the hotel and then we then we go out for two nights you know and just build it up slowly slowly uh mm. and obviously a little bit stressful getting people to, to top land uh and taking off again uh but yeah we kind of screened the guys and uh, two of the guys who i had before came back this year so i knew them so you know it was you, once you know the clients and you know what their skills are then it, it gets easier and you can push it a little bit more but obviously, yeah, keeping keeping the risk versus reward thing reasonable. You know, they're, sometimes they're like, oh, we want to do this, we want to do that. I'm like, actually, no, no we're going to keep it safe. You can come back and do this on your own if you want. But <laughs> Right, yeah. right, right, right. Keep it between the lines. Exactly. That's what Sam always says. Uh, you must have a good story or two from over the years of something crazy that went down. Anything you remember from just that um, was a wild one, either either that pulled you pulled it off, or maybe that didn't go so well. But either way, a uh, story about me or about someone else. <laughs> yeah, any either one. Either I've got one. A, I've got a good one from uh, from last year, <laughs> actually. Uh, I'm not going to mention names. <laughs> Let's keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is exciting! All right, here we go. Um, so. Um, I was in Manali in spring, and uh, a good friend of mine uh, was in beer, and uh, we were supposed to meet. And I was like, oh, why don't you fly to Manali? You can come and see me. So he says, yeah, sure, that'd be fun. And uh, so I was following him on the inReach, and um, I can see, you know, and, and I was out hiking that day or something, and I was, you know, occasionally checking, and I'm like, oh, looks like he's going for it today. I'm like, it doesn't look like the best day. You know, the clouds are quite big. It's, uh... And then at one point, I see his track go off course completely. I'm like, that's no good. That's no good. And then I see him, you know, he's still at four grand, but the mountains around are at five and a half. I'm like, he's fucked. 
and yeah. I see the track go deeper and deeper, and then I see the track stop. And so, yeah, I'm shitting myself. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, oh. And uh, half an hour later, I get a message on the inReach, because he had me on his inReach. He's like, uh, I'm fine. Uh, landed on a glacier. Uh, but I'm okay, but I don't know where I am. So I'm like, okay, uh, I know where you are. Um, there's a village 7K down from where you are, the only village in the whole place. Uh, you might be able to walk there. Uh, are you okay? And then I get a message back. He's saying, oh, yeah, by the way, I landed on a glacier, and then I fell in the river. Uh, all my my gliders in the river, but I'm fine. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, can you can you walk out of there? And he says, okay, I'll try. And then 10 minutes later, I get a message. He says, I tried to walk out. It's very slippery. I fell back in the river. I'm all wet again. I'm outside. I'm like, don't move, dude. <laughs> I'm like, don't move. You know, this is wild terrain back there. Uh, we can see what we can do. And um, so I spent the whole afternoon trying to organize a chopper, which we got We got the chopper together. Uh, but it was. Uh, but it only picked him up the next morning. Uh, at 10 o'clock so he spent the night wet at 3 8 in the bottom of a glacial valley and with lots of bears and shit around so yeah it was full on (laughs) and basically (laughs) what had happened um was that he tried to get over a call but the base was low so he thought i'll go in the cloud so he went in the cloud got disorientated ended up in this tight glacial valley and was trying to fly out of the valley and obviously when he got then he thought okay i'm gonna land there was places to land before but he tried pushing it and obviously when he got near the there was kind of snow bridges over the river and bits of river open and i think he got near a place where he wanted to land but the wind was coming down the valley with the cold with all the you know it was a catabatic so he landed on the edge of this snow bridge and got pulled into the river drift oh god yeah and the river took him like 100 meters down where the ri- holy smokes where the river went back under the glacier it was like a black hole and he managed to get on the last rock just before going back you know it was just a horror story <laughs> oh my god that's just the worst case scenario it's amazing he got out of that yeah very lucky man uh he's a great guy i hope he doesn't mind me telling this <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, no there's no names who's gonna uh, know he knows lots of people know <laughs> anyway yeah uh, it's uh yeah but it was a very good lesson for you know uh, yeah don't go in the clouds at five grand and try and get over calls Ooh. but yeah super super lucky so he left his uh wing and his harness in the river obviously and the helicopter got him out. It was all fine. And a week later, Philip <laughs> Philip decided to go and pick up the harness because it was a nice harness. He said, oh, can I keep it if I go and get it? <laughs> so, <laughs> that sounds like Philip. <laughs> so he flew He flew Bivy, landed at 4-5, four, four, walked down with ropes, went into the river, picked up the harness, Climbed back up again, spent the night, and flew out with the harness. <laughs> no way. 
<laughs> what? Are you serious? That's unbelievable. Oh my gosh. That's de- I love that yeah. dude. Hey, did, but the wing's still there? The wing's still there. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, anybody listening? You want to go get a wing? Uh, Philip was like, oh, it was in the river. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Toast. But, um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and then Philip, as he's walking up, he showed me a video. He's, he sent me a video. He's like, oh, I saw a bear. It was really cute. And he showed me the video. It's a big, huge brown bear, like 20 meters away from him. And he's like, oh, look at his cute ears. I'm like, dude, you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When we were doing when we were doing a bivy with Antoine in the Sierras all those years ago, yeah. uh, Oriel Fernandez was with us and bombed out one day. We all had our days, you know, as you do. Yeah. And he bombed out one day and came across a couple of pretty good sized bears and it freaked him out so bad. That was the end of his trip. <laughs> <laughs> I he, he didn't think they were very cute. Yeah, he yeah. Didn't, he's like, we, we don't, we don't get these in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a good one. How about, do you got any more? That's that's what I want to do. I want to hear stories from beer. That that's a pretty or good other one. places. Uh, that's a good one. Well, I can't I can't I can't come up with one off the top of my head. That was the. I'm visualizing getting pulled off a snowdrift going in the river and going into a you know getting it was oh uh, flushed underground. That'd be terrifying. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty scary. I mean, uh, yeah, over the years, I mean, beer. Has I mean you know a lot of them are horror stories which I don't really want to, don't right. really want to get into that. There are a lot of horror stories, but uh, yeah, it's getting it's gotten really popular beer. I mean, like you know, in October there's five, six, seven hundred pilots coming through. Uh, wow. So yeah, not quite like what it was in two thousand nine. Super busy. Yeah. Like, um, so, even even then, I mean, I the the I I have distinct memories of just the. The launch I thought was terrifying. Yeah. You know, you had you had these you know pilots that, you know, I, I we don't want to name a country, but we could name a country <laughs> where they would show up flying you know open class gliders, prototypes and stuff, and they had ten hours. You know, was the rumor. I don't know if that was true, but you know, they barely knew how to launch and flying comp gliders and you know one instructor for 40 pilots and stuff like this i mean i don't know if again that these were i don't know if any of this was true but it was it certainly looked true on launch where you're just going oh my god i gotta get out of here so i don't see any more of this stuff it was terrifying yeah it was kind of like that again this year it's a little bit better the the quality of pilots gone up a bit but yeah it's super mm-hmm. busy because i guess it's uh one of the best places to fly in october in the world there's not many places like colombia i was Certainly. i was pretty shocked in colombia that was pretty full on on launch <laughs> it yes was, uh, yes so yeah i mean uh there's been over the years lots of uh interesting rescue stories in beer some uh some some good ones some not so good ones but uh yeah i, I can't i can't come up with one right off the top of my head the one I just told that was the best one so far, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it must be interesting to do this with with clients and stuff too. I mean, I, I still remember flying around with you guys. And for, for some reason, I, they, I got put on to John. And it just following him around in that terrain was, was really, you know, I, I would just have to 
encourage listeners, you know, if you haven't done, it's not really part of our culture in the States to get guided. You know, we don't, it's really much more of a European thing. You know, when you climb, when you go climbing, you get a guide. When you go skiing, you get a guide. And because I have friends who are guides, I, I really... I love that. I, I just love going with a guy that, you know, they, they know the terrain. It's just, they, they, they bring you to the best places. Yeah. And that was the first time I had done it in flying. And, and again, I was, I was, I was pretty new, but uh, just following you guys around and, and having the stoke and, and also just having that little bit of uh, care and concern. You just felt like you were in good hands, but quite an eclectic group you and Antoine and John and Eddie and uh, Jim, my goodness. I mean, you couldn't ask for a more eclectic group, I think, you know, (laughs) I heard the evenings were more exciting than the days. (laughs) Yeah. They were good times. Oh man. Um, We lost John recently. How is that? uh, How has that affected the dynamics there? Obviously legend. uh, Um, Yeah. But John, was and always will be one of you know one of the legends not just there kind of all over the world really sure, um, yeah. i mean he he'd stopped coming for quite a you know at least three three seasons before before he passed away last year or the year before uh so yeah and it was it was a shame because i would have i'd have loved to have seen john once before he left us uh yeah. but uh yeah obviously everyone around there still talks about john and uh you know, and, and and some of the lines and some of the flights and his style of flying, obviously, you know, it's still uh, still legendary. And, uh, Seat of the pants. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we definitely <laughs> miss the squeaky voice. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But Jim and Eddie, are they still spending quite a bit of time there? Uh, I mean, since I haven't seen Jim since 2019. I recently, Eddie came out this year in October. Um, I mean, they mm. stopped doing the guiding thing Jim stopped quite a few years ago uh and okay. Eddie kind of was doing a little bit but now he's he did some again with us this year and I think he's back into it so uh cool. yeah I haven't seen Jim for a couple of years I'm quite looking forward to seeing him again he's cut off his dreads by the way so that's going to look like it oh my <laughs> gosh I can't imagine I, I haven't, I'm actually getting him on the show here soon yeah, so we'll, I haven't we'll, seen him uh, without dreads so you, yeah you'll see him <laughs> That'll be weird. I don't know if I'll recognize them. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I've been working a lot uh, the last few years with uh, with Stefan. You know Stefan, Stefan Bernard. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy yeah. as well. We 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 get along really well, and uh, it's been fun guiding with Wicked him. Wicked well. comp pilot. Yeah, really. He's good. fast. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. Very. He has a lot more discipline than I do. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Got, I could. I I I gotta learn that from him. Yeah, that's really. Uh, the, oh, so you're still got a cool crew going there. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, great. yeah. We got a good, good team, so it's still, still fun. What after all these years? What are your kind of you know? Do you do you think it's important to kind of keep having personal goals? Do you have personal goals with your flying and how you approach your year? Or is it mostly just works to kind of sapping it up and yeah, fun I, when you can? Yeah, kind of. Uh, I think it's important to have have some personal goals with your flying, like we talked about before, to keep motivated. And I mean, what mm. the thing I really love about flying is that you know you never you never stop learning. You know, you're always mm. getting better. I mean, I still feel that each year I learn new shit, and uh, you know, I improve on certain things, or you find one aspect of your flying that you you think you know you can work on that and improve that or the efficiency or the lines or 
it's just yeah, it's never ending game, isn't it? Which is which is what I love mm. about it. Yeah. Do you find you get more conservative as as the years go by, and and if so, do you weight that to any particular thing? Is it the kids? Is it your wife? Is it age? Uh... <laughs> Sometimes yes, or or do you not? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> sometimes mm. you're like, oh, actually, I'm gonna just take it a little bit easy here. And sometimes you do shit, and you're like, fuck, maybe I shouldn't have done what that. Doing? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, again, yeah, again, yeah. that that's the beauty of it. You know, that's where we, that's where you get the kick. So, yeah, I guess I guess mm. we're all addicted mm. to it, and, and you know, we get our hits different ways. <laughs> <laughs> uh where will you be guiding this year uh this year i'm going back to beer in october um i haven't got i've got a pretty busy summer actually so i don't think i don't think i'll be doing any guiding i think i'll be doing mainly some teaching and a bunch of tandems i've got my whole family coming out from india so uh, yeah pretty busy with that and then uh back to beer in autumn and i think i'll be going to Colombia again i like that that was it was a lot of fun mm. so yeah not yeah, not, not as much guiding as before but uh yeah i try and mix and match it with the professional side of it because i think because i've got friends who just do tandems all year round and they just burn out you know they don't want to fly anymore which is understandable sure so i try and mix and mm. match it a little bit which keeps me motivated to you know do a bit of teaching a bit of tandems a bit of guiding keeps it fun you know the 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 time that most people go to beer is in the fall, you know, this kind of last couple of weeks of October and usually the first week or so of November and then the monsoon starts. But the, it seems to me, I've never done it, but it seems to me that the real season is the spring. And that seems to be when you guys are grabbing the big stuff. Spring is, is the time I like flying in beer. It's, you know, it's when you get the mm. big, big days. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a bit less reliable than October. I mean, you know, mid-October through to mid-November, you can fly pretty much every day and it's good. Whereas in spring, you might get a front come through or it might storm quickly for a few days. So, you know, you but when you get the big days... More downtime. Yeah, when you get the big days, you know, the days are obviously longer. You can take off at nine and fly to six, which gives you nine hours of flying. Whereas in October, you know, it's maybe... 10 10 30 to to four so less the the thing that's better in october though is it's better for going in deep because in spring all the back mountains are covered in snow so it's obviously working a lot you know it's a lot slower and uh difficult to maybe get as high and obviously more uh committing with all the snow around than uh than in hmm. autumn so there's there's you know plus and minus points for both both seasons but personally i i, I like april April, end of April is, uh, yeah. Yeah, it looks pretty magic then. The uh, How about some hints for warmth? You know, when you're flying at that kind of altitude and uh, obviously it can be really cold. I remember how cold it is there when you get tall. Uh, yeah. How are you, how are you keeping your hands warm? How are you keeping your body warm? What are you guys using? Uh, well, body, body and, you know, have a good pod obviously for the bottom half and uh, yeah, big down jackets, you know, for the, body i've been using one of those you know like a big expedition jacket that does the job and makes a nice pillow as well when you're busy <laughs> and for the mm -hmm. hands yes. uh it's a yeah lifelong mission i guess trying to find the right solution <laughs> but I'm uh God. Well, last year i used those um uh, you know the monchon things the things that you put the over sleeves which are over mitts over yeah. mitts which are really kind of annoying because they flap around and do this and that 
but I found they're, they're actually the most efficient, you know, they, they do actually work and keep your hands warm. So once you figure out a technique to make friends with them, uh, then mm. they do work. So I've been using that. Yeah. 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 I find that that's kind of the best of it. You know, Kriegel put me on to, he just uses his small gloves and then they have those, uh, Bassus Roush, however you say it's yeah. a Swiss company. They have the over mitts that are really more, you know, they're not the kind that you tie up, yeah. in, you know, the down sleeves that you tie up. And so they, they're not as gangly on launch and everything, but, but then you're, it's kind of hard to use your hands because yeah. when you take it out, you've still got the smaller gloves on. So you can't, you know, it's pretty hard to go to your instruments or to, yeah. to, to use anything, but it's, but they're warm. I mean, I've been, I've been taken off with the over mitts on your, on your forearms, you know, when you fly and fly yeah, with normal, with, with, with normal Bassis Roush gloves. And then when you get cold, yep. you, br you bring them up and close them. And that, that, that was doing the job pretty well. That, that works pretty well. Huh? Yeah. Cool. Debu, uh, always terrific. It's good to see you, man. It's yeah. been it's it's nice to nice to see you here. It's been too long, uh, yeah, since yeah. the bus in Switzerland. So we'll we'll have to catch up in in real time here and and do some flying together. Yeah. And congratulations on the big flights. That's been a hoot to watch, man. I've been I've been building a house. I've been flying that much, so I get my kicks off watching guys like you go and have some. <laughs> Great, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe see you in May. You come in for the worlds. In France, you know what? I I completely hammered my spot, man. I had a spot on the team, and in Menarca, I got a little too hungry in the end. I was leading through day uh, you four were, you, you were and having winning, a really good comp. I was watching. Yeah, and then I blew it. I had two I... days in a row where I got a little too hungry and uh, thought, "Oh, I'm really gonna stomp it," and <laughs> and so and I I missed the world's team by a couple points. Uh, so I was uh, yeah. So not that's not the plan right now, but I am I'm gonna go to the Brazil World Cup and the Spain World Cup right okay. now and yeah. there's still a chance for world if we get another slot or somebody doesn't go yeah. you know maybe but okay love to see you but uh yeah anytime you're in in france hit me up you come and stay we've got a nice place plenty of space you're welcome yeah. love to you yeah love to you hi to the crew hi to flo and the kids nice and, one uh, thanks bud yeah nice nice chatting with you been a pleasure cheers Kevin. If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes cost so if you can support us financially all we've ever asked for is a buck a show and you can do that through a one-time donation through paypal or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out we put a new show out every two weeks so for example if you did a buck a show and every two weeks it'd be about 25 dollars a year so way cheaper than a magazine subscription and it makes all of this possible. I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but I, for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people, and these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, 
you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little uh nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show but we feel like you should hear we don't put any of that behind a paywall if you can't afford to support us then just let me know and i'll set you up with an account of course that'll be lifetime and hopefully and you're being in a position someday to be able to support us but you'll find all that on the website uh, all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought cloud-based mayhem merchandise t-shirts or hats or anything you should be all set up you should have an account and you should be able to access all that bonus material now thank you so much for listening i really appreciate your support and we'll see you on the next show thank you thank you